Welcome to the My Opinion Podcast, the leadership podcast for women. This is a show that focuses on leadership, life, and love to empower women around the world to be the leader of their life. The My Opinion Podcast is a weekly show with Maya's Motivation Monday, focusing on leadership topics for women that feature guest interviews as well as solo episodes with Maya. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share the My Opinion Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Now, in her opinion, here's your host, Maya Roffler. Hi, guys. Welcome back to My Opinion and another episode of Motivation Monday. Today, I have Nina Simons with me. Nina is so many things. She's such a unique, incredible woman. She is the co-founder and chief relationship officer of Bioneers, but she is also the author of a book that is out now, a brand new book. It's called Nature, Culture, and the Sacred. A woman listens for leadership, which I love that last part. Love it. Nina, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Maya. It's great to be with you. I'm so excited to have you here. And my listeners know that I have like this near and dear place in my heart for nonprofits, which I know is Bioneers. But I want to get started first with your book. I mean, I love a woman listens for leadership. Like I've never heard that term before. So let's start there, Nina. Tell us a little bit about your book. Sure. Well, I just turned 65 this year, and it feels like a time for harvesting some of what I've learned. Yeah. And really, over the last 25 or 30 years, I've had a focus on leadership and how we, especially women, but all of us are reinventing leadership at this time. And I also... As the co-founder of Bioneers, I have to write a public talk each year, which is a talk that really is important, you know, says in 15 minutes or so what's most important to me about the past year and what I really feel most compelled to share from my vantage point of scanning culture and gender and racial justice and all these things and being a real devotee of nature. And so I decided to put together some of my talks over the last 25 years and select them and then also write some new stuff. And what I love about this book is that it brings together two of the streams of my work over those years, one of which was producing this beautiful thing called Bioneers, which I I really love and I'm very honored to serve. And at the same time, I've been convening diverse women, women who are diverse in every way, but who are women change makers, to spend a week in an immersive retreat looking at what kind of leaders we are and how can we strengthen our own leadership through a kind of self-cultivation and how women reflecting to each other can strengthen us so much faster and can increase our learning and our leadership and our courage, all those things. So it was a transformative experience for a week, for about 15 years. And I continued it after cultivating women's leadership stopped, just with different emphases. And so in this book, I'm able to combine all these talks with portraits of women who have been my great inspirations and a discussion guide and embodied practices so anyone can apply it to their own life and and journey and leadership journey. 
Wow. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think that you create so much information, you know, through time, regardless of what you're doing, right? If you're a VP of a company or you're creating your own company and yeah, what you do, I, I know when you're running a nonprofit, you have to do, it's, there's a lot of data and information that's public, but you also have to speak. <laughs> so there's a lot of information that you've put out there. So I love that you have taken that and put that into this book, but I love that you're telling us too, that there's actual stories in here. So how did you select those women to put into the book? They're obviously inspirational women for you, but I mean, I'm inspired by so many women. How did you select these particular women for this book? (laughs) Yeah. Well, great question. Actually, this is my second book. And the first book was called Moonrise, The Power of Women Leading from the Heart. And in order to do that book, I literally read through hundreds of transcripts because in Serving Bioneers, I have had the opportunity over 32 years, maybe, to witness and be inspired by so many women. And as I read their transcripts, I was reading, I was looking for patterns. And I was looking for patterns that I could use to define the shape of the book in terms of how we are reinventing and reimagining leadership. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I identified five different categories. And also, I'm just so aware of how important role models are. And some of the women that I tell stories about in the book are women that I know personally and others are not. So you don't have to know somebody personally in order to be inspired by them as a role model. Some are like famous authors whose books gave me all kinds of new permission. And, you know, leaders who I just, at the end of their talks at Bioneers, I wanted to leap off the stage and go volunteer for them, mm-hmm. you know? And so... I really, I was listening inwardly, since I know you love that title. Yeah. I think listening is a really important quality in our new leadership. And I was listening inwardly for which were the ones that really lit me up. And those are the people that I wrote about. Of course, there are more, but, you know, I, I chose some. And, and I think part of my learning over this time is a learning from the natural world, which is, that diversity confers resilience. And it's not just racial and ethnic diversity, but age diversity and sexual orientation diversity and ability diversity, all those things. And so I was looking for a really beautiful, diverse array of women that I could describe that I thought people would be turned on to read about. I love that. And I relate to that a lot. That's really important for me just on this podcast alone. So I relate to that because I've always said, once I started to branch out and start interviewing women like yourself, Nina, you know, I am Maya, I'm 35, you know, I mean, I've only have so many experiences that I've gone through. And it was really important to me through my podcast and my story that I start showing women from all different backgrounds, ethnicities, Mm -hmm. ages, you're including everything. And I love that because I think sometimes we think diversity just means one thing, you know, sometimes, but it means so many different things, so many different backgrounds, you know, I, we could go on and on. That could be a whole podcast right there. Right. (laughs) So I love that you're doing that. And the reason it's so important is because within your book, within my podcast, right, whatever you're creating, we want women to open that book or listen to this podcast or whatever we're creating and go, Oh, that's me. I see myself in that, in that woman or in that story and be inspired. And 
Something else that you just said really lights lights me up, like we were saying before I hit record, is the, the whole listening. And the reason this whole thing that you said, a woman listens for leadership, like this is going to stick with me, like, I don't know, for a long time. And you said how important it is for leaders to listen. I have done like solo episodes. I've talked to other women about this. I always say that a listening leader is the best leader for so many different reasons, because if you can listen effectively, you can, you're unstoppable. But what you said is taking it a step, like 20 steps further. If you can listen to yourself, like watch out world, right? Like that is incredible. So I want to ask you another question about that. So a woman listens for leadership. Is that kind of where you got the inspiration for that too, in the title, like listening to yourself for the leadership? Like, tell us a little bit about that. What does that mean to you? Well, here's what it means to me. I have been dancing with an idea that I call full spectrum leadership. Okay. And in order to be a full spectrum leader, I think of that in many dimensions, Maya. I actually think of it not only in terms of, um, I think of it in terms of gendered qualities because we all have masculine and feminine within us. And I believe that part of what's gone so wrong in our world is the imbalance between the masculine and the feminine. And that's true, of course, in women because we've internalized it, but it's also true across the entire culture and our movies and our governance and our education and our work situations, all of it. So I, I really got interested in looking at both uh, how women, how we can free up and liberate women's greatest capacities and how we can strengthen the feminine and mas- the feminine and true masculine in the world so that we can help heal culture while we're healing ourselves. And so listening for leadership came partly from, I have a co-facilitator that I work with sometimes who's actually a Zen monk. And for seven years, she lived in a monastery and she came out of the monastery and she said, that was really great tools that I learned, but it's a little masculinized for me. And so she began to look at how she could translate the practices of Zen Buddhism into a more heart-centered space. And she created a book called Relational Mindfulness, and I've been teaching with her at Esalen for years now. And uh, I just realized that part of our patriarchal culture says we got to talk more than we listen. And so... I think listening inwardly is a tremendous capacity to cultivate. And in fact, in cultivating my own leadership, what I've found is that I'm in a continual process, and I hope I'm in it till the day I die, frankly, Mm -hmm. of reviewing what's really mine, what's authentic, what am I doing out of habit, what might I have picked up from a patriarchal culture, that's also influenced by colonialism and capitalism and whites, you know, all those isms. And how can I strip away that which is not authentically mine so that I can show up in a way that's really congruent and that brings all of myself to bear? Because I see leadership as something that doesn't just happen in the workplace. I see it as a practice of becoming who we were born to be and really cultivating ourselves into our best flourishing as human beings in this momentous historical time on earth. 
it is really a historical time on earth, isn't it? You said that very well. Yeah. Hey everyone, it's Maya, the host of the My Opinion Podcast, the leadership podcast for women. I hope you're enjoying this incredible episode of the podcast. Now you can learn more about leadership and how to be the leader of your life. You can click on the show notes right now and download your guide on how to be the leader of your life written by me, Maya Roffler. We'll go over the four pillars of how to be the leader of your life. We'll review your values, your mission, not only your purpose, but your purposes and your vision. And as a bonus within the guide, you will actually get a 15 minute complimentary call with me, Maya, to talk about how you can become the leader of your life. So download the guide right now and enjoy the rest of this podcast episode. I am obsessed with this topic. My listeners know they're probably like, oh God, Maya's gearing up to talk about this now because I did a solo episode about this quite a long time ago. And it is in my top five episodes, Nina, that have ever been listened to. And it's called The Gender of Leadership. And I'll have to send it to you. I don't know if you've listened to it, but it is in my top five episodes. And I talk about how it does not matter what gender you identify as or were, you know, we're born into. It does not matter. We all have masculine and feminine. And so this is, I'm like lighting up again because here we are (laughs) connecting. I love this. I'm right with you. I connect with this. In my opinion, this is so important. And when I started to really tap into this and recognize this, it was my mid to late twenties because I started to realize coming from a very masculine environment and guys bear with me. I know you've heard this story (laughs) before, but to share with Nina and catch her up on this, I was in a very masculine male dominant environment. So I was taking on all of that. I mean, I didn't even wear like dresses or anything feminine to work. I mean, it was like two, three years into this and it was very masculine the way I was dressing. I mean, I still did my hair cute and I'd wear makeup and stuff, but I even took on a physical persona that was more masculine and my emails were masculine and they were short and sweet. And then when I went to a more feminine workplace, I went to a a bridal place to work and it was all women. And there were like the men there, there were maybe a few straight men, but it was mostly like gay men. So it it was okay to be who you were. You're more accepted in that kind of community, in my experience. And so they were like, who is this woman? And is she a guy? You know what I mean? Because it was like the emails I was sending, Nina, were like one letter to emails, like why question mark. Uh, get this done. You know what I mean? Like, and it wasn't because I was a jerk. It was just because that's what I had been around at 22 years old to 25. And these guys that were like 55 to 60, and I was at a fortune 500 company and that's what I had to deal with, you know, and they were CEO EVP. I had to deal with really high level people at a young age. And so I had lost myself to your point. I was not in tune with who Maya really was and what parts were my true masculine and what parts were my true feminine. And I'm always forever grateful for that transition to the two extremes because those two experiences allowed me to come out of those and then really examine what's my true feminine and what's my true masculine. And my wonderful husband, I get to use him as an example on this podcast and I talk about him in the you know gender of leadership And it's interesting because he has feminine qualities and that doesn't make him any less of a man as we talk about in society. But like 
he is much more creative than me, which tends to be a quote unquote feminine trait. But, you know, I am very direct, which tends to be a masculine trait. We can go on and on and on with these things. But I was forced into a box, you know, with these particular places. But I'm so grateful for these experiences so young because now I'm able to really understand, oh, that that's my masculine side and that's my feminine side. And the beautiful thing, I think, and the message for everyone, and then I want your input because I'm, I'm going on a my opinion rant on this because I'm so obsessed with this topic, is I'm now able to have a really beautiful marriage within myself because I understand both sides because I think within every single person, we have traits of, of both. And that's what makes us a perfect combination. And being allowed to be that is really important. But I want your opinion on that. And how, what, what do you feel about that? Because I love that you brought this up. Wow. Well, <laughs> I mean, first of all, I want to reflect back to you, Maya, that your creativity in launching all these podcasts <laughs> is pretty phenomenal. So you may not consider yourself a visual artist, but I would suggest you may be other kinds of creative. That's what and, he says too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great minds, you know? Yes. Um, so there are two things that came up for me in listening to you. One was when I first woke up to the value and the importance of gender in my worldview. And the other was how I got on to leadership. But what happened for me was, oh, soon after my, my father died very suddenly and I felt as though the rock I had stood on fell out from under me. And a friend loaned me a film to take home. And the film was called The Burning Times. And it's online. Anyone can watch it for free. And it's a little dated, but it's an amazing film because it tells the story of the three to 400 year period in European history, where somewhere between 50,000 and several million women across Europe with correlative experiences happening all over the world were systematically persecuted and tortured and burned for the supposed crime of being witches. Wow. Yeah. And when I saw it, I went, oh my gosh, why wasn't I taught this in school? This is a huge story. And my second revelation was I knew that that story lived on in my bones. And it was the first time that it made sense to me why I was so cautious about speaking in public and why I was scared to take a strong stand about anything and why I turned away from conflict so consistently. And, and it set me on this course of research, Maya, where I, I learned that not only was the story that the film told true, but it also precipitated in that time, there were seven or eight generations of kids who witnessed their sisters, their mothers, their aunties, their grandmothers all get persecuted, right? And how can that not have an impact? And of course, there's all this science coming out now about epigenetic trauma and I believe that that trauma against the feminine lives on in all of our bones, regardless of what gendered body we might happen to be in right now. And as I researched the story, what I found was that all the systems of society during that time were shifted from the purview of women to the purview of men. 
So land use went from a commons where the whole community got to share in the land use to something called the enclosure movement. And suddenly land got privatized. And of course, religion and spirituality went from something that was practiced in a sort of pagan way that related to nature's cycles to Christianity, which was controlled and dominated and mediated rather than a direct experience of the divine. And economically, there was a huge transfer of wealth over the course of the burning times. And before the burning times, women actually owned more wealth in Europe than men did. And by the end of the burning times, that had all shifted. And it was true in medicine. It was true in, I mean, every single area of society. So for me, it was this huge aha moment where I said, wow, every one of the problems that I've been learning about through Bioneers could be seen as a symptom of the imbalance between the masculine and the feminine. So I am all the way with you on that, sister. <laughs> wow, Nina, I am like, I'm having my like aha moment. That is great. Okay, I'm going to watch this film and we're going to link it in the show notes because that is insane. I've never, I can't believe I've never watched that before. Okay, that's crazy. And I feel like I, I love to learn because I think I say a listening leaner is the best leaner and I think a learning leader is the best leader. It's all about the L's in, in leadership, I think. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't want to jump past this topic without talking about pioneers. We got to talk about pioneers. So tell us about pioneers before we get too far down this rabbit hole, because this is this is incredible. And I'm with you, sister. Like, yes, this is so true. And I, I do agree with you. And I think we are in a time where we're awakening and realizing that there's generational trauma and it's stored and it does not matter if you are male or female and it doesn't matter what you know, what you are, whether you're Christian, atheist, whatever you are, this is, this is something that's being proven scientifically. So if you don't know about it, look it up. We're, we're bringing some things up today, which are really different and cool. And I enjoy that, but we cannot go further without talking about what Bioneers is. So tell us about it. Hey, well, Bioneers is something that actually my husband first came up with. And uh, what happened was he was researching all these innovative people who had come up with solutions for many of our most pressing environmental and social problems. And many of the solutions that they were coming up with were actually mimicking nature or nature systems or First Nations people's systems. We, we often say that First Nations people are the first pioneers. And so pioneers is this very unusual thing. Uh, we produce an annual conference, we produce radio and podcasts and tons of media. And each conference features the work of about 100 leaders. And that's incredible in and of itself, but they come from all different disciplines and backgrounds. And many of them are the greatest people you've never heard of because the mainstream media tends to cover the bad news, but not the breakthrough good news. And so we began Bioneers back in 1990 in order to help people see a future vision that is possible. They're visionary and practical leaders. So they're people who both have innovations that are ahead of the curve, but they've also proven them in one way or another. So they're practical, they're grounded, and it's real. And it has a very strong indigenous program at its core, and a youth program, and a women's program, and a food and farming program. And, you know, we, we focus on everything from politics to education, to activism, to arts, and all of it comes together 
in this beautiful synthesis of visions of the world we can work towards, but nobody's putting the vision out there. And so what happened for me was uh, I had a background in theater and Kenny came to me and he said, honey, I've been given a grant to start a conference. Will you help me? And neither of us had ever been to a conference. And so we didn't have any unlearning to do. And I had this theater background and I said, okay, it's got to be beautiful. It's got to be artful. It's got to be really welcoming and meet people where they are. And I helped him co-produce it. And I fell in love. I remember sitting there and just my jaw dropping open and saying, these are the leaders I want to serve with my communication skills and my marketing skills. And then over time, I really grew into my leadership within this incredible forum of pioneers by having amazing leaders to learn from. So in a nutshell, that's Bioneers has become a communications company and a media company, but we also produce events and sometimes they're online and sometimes they're live. Now we're doing both. And uh, it's a beautiful co-creation and the co-creation has become much, much larger over time than me and Kenny. It's got a lot more people feeding into it and it's, it's a beautiful thing. So that's what Pioneers is. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you for covering that. I was like, hang on, before we go any further, we need to talk about what Pioneers is. And congratulations on 32 years. Like, that's insane. Wow. And I, this is so funny. I can't go further without talking about this too. I relate so much to the event part of this because I own an event logistics business too, uh, amongst, you know, all the other things I do. <laughs> so I started in corporate America at 22 and they asked me to create for the men's clothing company I was working for their trade show program. And I had never been like you, <laughs> I had never <laughs> been to a convention. I had never been to the trade shows they had asked me to go like create in my life. I was like, what? But I think what you said was really beautiful. And it's a message for my listeners here. If you haven't done something or if you haven't been there, there's nothing for you to unlearn. There's kind of something beautiful when you're naive to it and it's new to you because you can really create it your way and the way that you want to. And you can create it, in my opinion, the right way. That's so beautiful, Maya. And and, you know, sometimes I think about it as beginner's mind. Yeah. But, but also it's truly the creativity that's coming out of you and of your relational intelligence. Because so often these things have been so heady for people that they don't really create the kind of warmth and invitation and connectivity and relational intelligence that people are craving, especially now. Yeah. Oh my, especially through COVID, because I know right. you, you went through this and I went through this with my clients that, you know, we had to be so innovative. Couldn't just be a Zoom call. You know, we had to get creative. How do we get people engaged still? You know, everyone was Zoomed out. That's a term now, right? Zoomed yeah. out. And exactly. so how do we engage them? How do we make it still aesthetically pleasing? But how do we really get people connected still in this really unconnected world in the past two years? And, you know, it's still kind of there. It's still lingering, right? There's still stuff yep. going on. And so it was an interesting time for me. And I'm sure it was an interesting time for you guys as well, but it's something that as a leader, and I think this is, this fits beautifully in our conversation. You know, when I'm bringing people on to different aspects of my team, I 
actually really enjoy someone who's perfectly green and doesn't know <laughs> anything, just is ready to, to dive in and yeah. is really coachable because I remember being that person and I just wanted to learn and take it all in versus the person that might know everything or think they know everything because there's something really beautiful about that. And you need those people too. You need those people who know what they're doing. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) But there's something really beautiful about that. And I, I like to bring that up to my listeners from time to time, because I think it's really empowering to know that like, you don't have to know it all. It's okay to start it at zero because look at what you've done, Nina, like that's incredible. So what an amazing story. So how do people like, if I'm a potential pioneer, like, how do I know? How do I, how do I connect with you with pioneers? Like, how do I know if I'm a pioneer or part of the community? How does the process work? Well, uh, you would go and visit pioneers.org, which is an abundant library of everything and see what turns you on. And you would probably sign up for the newsletter. You might go to my website, which is ninasimons.com, if you're more interested in the women's leadership piece of things, and signing up for the newsletters. And, you know, we're in the process of creating something we're calling Bioneers U, which will be a platform where folks can come and connect both uh, geographically and by issue area and watch films and take classes and You know, it's partly how to make practical kind of the learning that Bioneers is offering. And frankly, Maya, we believe we're looking towards the next several years with a lot of disruption and a lot of challenges. And so how do you make it through those challenges, both physically, logistically, you know, how do you strengthen your local food supply and water sources and power? And how do you, you know, create a local bank? But also, how do you strengthen yourself inwardly to be able to weather those challenges and stay on point and stay on purpose and feel centered and congruent and strong while the world is swirling around us? I think you are right on time perfectly with that (laughs) because creating that local We've, we've needed that more than ever. And then also creating it by topic. I mean, I've, I've helped, you know, other nonprofits do things like that. And oh my God, you know, it works perfect. You guys are right on time for that. And we were craving that during, you know, the pandemic and God forbid anything were to happen like that again, (laughs) please God, let's hope it doesn't, but we want to be prepared for those things. So creating those communities now, like what a wonderful, wonderful thing. Well, I want to switch gears and I want to talk about something that we were chatting about before I hit record guys. This is a really cool, cool thing I want to talk about with Nina. So I think you bring this up in the book, but correct me if I'm wrong. This is a, a part of you. And this is something I think some of my listeners will relate to. And this is when you were technically named a leader or you felt like you were finally called a leader in your life. And it was when you were 40 years old and you had expressed that you kind of struggled with it. Like you were kind of going both ways. Like, okay, yes, I feel like a leader. No, I don't. Tell us a little bit about that because I just loved how honest and open you were about this. And I want you to share this with my listeners and and dive into this a little bit more, because I think this is something that a lot of people, especially women don't share about, like it's normal to go through this. So please share this with us, Nina. I'm fascinated by this story. 
Great. Um, well, this was actually just a couple of years after I had seen the burning times. And so I had all this gender material swirling around my brain. And a magazine at the time named me as a leader. You know, they did an issue of leaders under 40 and, and I was in it. And I found myself having a really mixed reaction, as you said, Maya. I knew that I should be flattered and honored, but instead what I felt actually was I wanted to deflect it. I didn't feel that I had earned it. And I was really uncomfortable with that label. I felt like it sort of painted a target on my back. And it was the first time for me that there was this public acknowledgement or labeling of me as a leader. And I had never really, like that had not been part of my aspiration. I felt like up until that time, I had done the work that I, my heart felt called to do, my spirit felt called to do, but leadership was not part of my aspiration. And so I knew from pioneers that we were entering a time when we're all called to be leaders. And frankly, I believe that every human alive on earth right now needs to be a leader. So your podcast could not be more timely either. And leadership as what I found was that the more I thought about it, I realized that if I knew from pioneers that we're all called to be leaders and I had this very adverse reaction to being called a leader, what's wrong with this picture? So I began exploring and both exploring within myself and exploring with other women. And within myself, what I discovered was that I had this inherited picture or sense memory of what a leader was. And in my mind, you know, a leader was someone who was dominant, who was aggressive, who often was uh, had an attitude of uh, superiority and who tended to diminish the people around them and who was solitary, self-sacrificing, and honestly, sometimes really a bully. And I thought, well, no wonder I don't aspire to be that. That's awful. Right. And, and then I began, <laughs> we were talking about this too, about how one of the great secrets about leadership is when you create the medicine you need for yourself, it winds up creating medicine for others around you. And what a beautiful thing that is. So I needed to learn about leadership. So I co-created this seven-day immersion course with two other co-facilitators called Cultivating Women's Leadership. And over the course of about 15 years, we worked with about 500 amazing women and learned a lot about leadership. And one of the things that I realized, Maya, was that we would pre-select by application each cohort of 20 women. And we would select them for their commitment, for their proven leadership abilities, you know, and for their courage, really. And so we knew in advance that all these women showing up were leaders. But when they first came to our retreat, they would say, no, I don't consider myself a leader. I just do what I do. And so I realized over time we are in this massive reinvention of what leadership is and what it means. And for me, you know, leadership comes from listening inward as much as listening outward. It comes from the heart and spirit, not from somebody giving you a job title or inheriting money or, a, you know, um, or a graduate degree. 
It comes from a passion to stand for and with what you most love and are most dedicated to. And it's a practice of lifting others up all around you. And that's what I learned from the first book. And, um, and really, you know, so I think, I think at this point, part of what I'm understanding as the essence of leadership is really being able to assess and own what are your particular talents and gifts. And also to really kind of do an inventory of what do I love most? What really lights me up when I serve it? What, what breaks my heart when I read about it in the paper or see a story on television? Um, and, then, and then connect those two things with a need for reinvention in the world. And this is where what we were saying earlier about not having done something can be a tremendous asset because everything needs reinventing now. I mean, really, we see it all around us, right? All of our systems are failing from our life support systems to our social systems to our economic systems to our political systems. They're all up for grabs. And it needs our leadership and our fierce commitment to what we love to help transform the world. So really what my book is about and my life is about is being the best invitation I know how to get everybody stepping into their fullest, full spectrum leadership and reclaiming all the parts of ourselves to bring to it. How do I follow that up, Nina? I mean, like that was just so beautiful. I love that. I mean, you're just such a wonderful fit for the podcast. This is amazing. I couldn't agree with you more on all of that. I think, you know, this is definitely the time for everyone to step into their leadership. But I often say on this podcast too, that it's really important to be the leader of your life before you lead anyone else. And I think your messaging just works so perfectly with that because it's about listening within and listening to yourself and really understanding what matters to you. And I really love when you described the image of what you had as a leader, like this is what a leader is. And for those of you who are listening, I think it's really important that you do that as an exercise. Like think about who do I think of as a leader? Like what does a leader, and if you have a really positive image, like that's amazing, like go for it. But I relate so much to you on this, Nina, because I had that too. I thought it had to be like this white, old male in a boardroom. Like, you know, he was mean, stern, like all these things. And life evolved for me. Like I started to realize, no, you don't have to be this person. You don't have to. And like my perspective now, I know that the kind of leader that I want to be and that I try to be is I like a really cool, calm, collected leader. I like someone who listens. I like someone who doesn't react, might wait, you know, like I could go on and on, but like, it's totally the opposite in a lot of ways than what I thought was supposed to be a quote unquote leader. I'm doing my little bunny ears guys, but yeah. So it's totally different. And that was a wake up call for me. That was a huge moment for me. And I talk about often on this podcast too, like moments where you step into your leadership. That was a moment as we're talking here, it's kind of occurring to me. That was a moment when I really stepped into my leadership, Nina, when I realized what a leader wasn't. right? In addition to what a leader can be, right? There's all these moments where we do that. And I think that's really amazing. And I think, 
you know, I ask this to every guest that comes on, but I think you've already answered it. You know, when was your moment or when was a big moment for you when you stepped into your leadership? But it sounds like when you watched this movie and you were like, hang on a second, that sounds like that was a big moment for you. It was, but there have been a whole bunch of them, honestly. I think that's part of what I tried to capture in the book. Um, one of them was, you know, I I co-evolved by in years with my husband and partner, and he's eight years older than I am. He's a brilliant writer. He's a visionary guy. And for a lot of years, I compared myself to him and came up unfavorably. And so there was a pivotal moment where an organizational development consultant gave us an assignment to write the story of our relationship to Bioneers. And I wrote that I saw myself as the woman behind the man. And when I saw that, I was so horrified. I was like, wow, do I really see myself that way? And so I started asking my colleagues. And this is another great tool that I would offer everyone is, you know, ask your friends ask your closest companions. So I asked my colleagues, is this how you see me? And they all said, no way. You're an equal contributor. No way. So that was another pivotal moment. But one of my biggest learnings coming out of all those years of convening women was that I think one of the greatest underutilized assets we have for helping transform our world is our capacity to mirror each other and to thereby accelerate and strengthen our leadership cultivation. Because what I learn, I keep learning, is it's so hard to see ourselves. And we really need the feedback of other people. And your friends will know what your superpowers are, sometimes better than you do. And what a gift that is, you know? Yes, that's great advice. And you nailed that one too, because I... Even to this day, you know, even to this day, sometimes I don't realize my own superpowers. I love how you put it that way too. And I don't think we see ourselves accurately all the time, right? And I think it is really important, you know, one, make sure you have a really good circle of people around you and then ask those people because they will be really objective if they're good friends and they'll tell you and you're probably going to be really surprised about what they tell you and it's going to be accurate and it it helps keep me in check too. So I relate so much to that story. And I'm so glad you asked your friends because you're not just the woman behind the man. You are a, you were a big part of this and are a big part of this. So that is, that's great advice. Cause I think a lot of women think that because we've yeah. been told that quote over and over behind every great man is a great woman. Well, yeah, it's true, but that doesn't mean that we're not doing something really great as well. And on our own, like there should be a, 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 like a caveat to that, right? <laughs> you know, Absolutely. Yeah. In our house, we sometimes say, behind every great man is a woman rolling her eyes. Yeah, I love that one too. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. So one last question for you, Nina, and then we'll talk about, we'll recap on where to find you. Um, I always ask, so, and you've given so much advice already, but what is one piece of advice that we may have forgotten to bring up for the amazing women? And I have some men too that listen to the podcast about stepping into their leadership for the first time, or if they're maybe moving into a different role, you know, what's something that you wish someone told you? I wish I'd learned earlier to uh, stop judging myself so much and instead to appreciate my successes and my skills 
and to actually practice, you know, we're all products of a culture that's, that focuses us on deficits rather than on assets. And I think part of the journey to loving ourselves enough to value the instrument, the unique instrument that we are, is a practice of appreciating yourself and actually noticing, like for so many years, I couldn't receive compliments. I would turn away, I would deflect it, I would say thanks, but, you know, and to actually practice receiving compliments when you get it and, and appreciating yourself. You know, I think, I think something I've heard you say on other podcasts, Maya, is, you know, how do we get to become who we want to be? Practice, practice, practice. <laughs> And, and really, it's true. I mean, sometimes I practice in the form of rituals, sometimes in the form of, you know, things that I just decide at the end of each day, I'm going to notice everything I felt good about that I did that day. That's a, you know, it seems like a small thing, but it actually builds muscle. So that's what I would offer. That's great advice. No, I love, and I love that you said that we focus on the deficit versus like the, what we've actually done, because it's, that's just kind of how we've been programmed. And I am so like, I'm over here raising my hand because I have to like really work on that every single day, but I want to work on that every single day because I notice the difference on a daily basis when I shift that. So, oh, Nina, that was great advice. Okay. Recap again, where we can find you. And of course it'll be in the show notes as well. Well, thank you. My new book is called Nature, Culture, and the Sacred, A Woman Listens for Leadership, and it's available on all platforms and in print or Kindle or audiobook. And um, Bioneers is www.bioneers.org. And there are amazing podcasts there, as well as tons of video. And the newsletter is really worth signing up for. And if you want to know about where I'm speaking or teaching or find other podcasts I may be on, go to ninasimons.com and you'll find this podcast there as soon as I know when it's up. Amazing. So, awesome. Yeah. Nina, <laughs> this has been incredible. Thank you so much for all your knowledge and being on the podcast today. This has been amazing. Thank you. Maya, you are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening to my opinion. We'll see you back here next week. Thank you so much for listening to the My Opinion Podcast. You can catch up on past episodes on the My Opinion Podcast website at www.myopinionpodcast.com as well as read the My Opinion blog and contact Maya directly with your questions. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at My Opinion Podcast and Maya Roffler. We'll see you back here next week.